0: This is the School of Fine Arts podcast, episode 13. It's like war and peace.
1: Arts, education, conversation that makes a difference. Welcome to So Fine, the School of Fine Arts podcast, with your host, Todd Hennessy. Hey
0: everybody, welcome back uh, once again to the show. Uh, We're... I keep referring to this now as the second season. I took a little bit of a break, so uh, this is the third show that I've been able to do since I've come back. So it feels like season two of the podcast. Uh, season two? I know, hey. Uh, I'm just saying that, but it's awesome. Like I got picked up for a second season. Uh, and I'm really pleased to be joined today by Pat Foran. How do you do? I'm, I, you know, I'm okay. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm awesome. really good.
0: Awesome. Pat, I know you uh, mostly through your uh, ties to Artistic fraud. Mm-hmm. I want to call you the executive producer. Is that right?
1: Uh, sure. I, I go by just producer over there, but oh, yeah, cool. keep it. We're not, not, we not. really don't like uh, no structures or hierarchy over there, <laughs> we're very flat, uh, that way. But yeah, uh, producer is uh, producer, and that, and that ranges from like Mr. Who signs the checks to Mr. Who drives the U Haul, right on, yep. <laughs> and yep. anything in between, anything in between. Yeah, uh,
0: we'll come back to that in just a second, but uh, I'm really anxious to talk to you while you're actually in Cornerbrook. Uh, oh, and sure, you've been here for a couple of days, right?
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm, a, in addition to being a producer with artistic fraud, uh, I trained as an actor and that's, you know, we all get our, our theater bug from something. And, uh, so, uh, I've been a producer for about six years, but I've been an actor since my teenage years. So let's, let's be ambiguous and say a little more than 20 years now. Right. And, uh, when I was coming out of George Brown Theater School, which is where I met Alex Follis, who teaches here at Grenfell, um, one of our colleagues, uh, it's, this is one of these stories where it's, I, I want to tr- actu- accurately describe its genesis, so I have to go down this little path for a moment. There's a project at George Brown and at a lot of other theater programs called The Vocal Mask, or it has some other names associated with it, but basically the student is self-generating a piece of work. And a vocal mask is you pick a theme and you go out and source all kinds of text um, uh, from different eras, different periods, different types of authors that touch on this theme. So our colleague, Alexandra Manea, came across in her piece a volume of letters by Franz Kafka. That formed, th- th- and, and those some of those letters appeared in her student project, and then later she returned to that source material saying, I want to create a piece specifically about these letters. And the collection of letters um, that we're talking about is called Letters to Felice, um, and it's an intense exchange of, uh, of letters between... Franz Kafka and Felice Bauer, beginning in the late summer of 1912, and carries on till uh, Kafka's passing in the 1920s. Um, and when I say intense, I'm talking three and four long letters a day. He's in Prague, she's in Berlin. So that's that's kind of the source material. Um, why these letters are relevant and why we're interested in Felice is two things. Uh, Kafka's last will, though it's not actually a technical legal will, it was just a a note, a letter, and it's really curious, because he was a lawyer by training. He knew the difference. Um, This letter is to his friend Max, uh, Max Brode. and through Max Brode, we posthumously have all of Kafka's work. Quite a, quite a bit of Kafka's work doesn't get published until until he's passed oh, away. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so what he says to him in this letter is, of all of my works, of all of my diaries, manuscript sketches, all this stuff, there's only certain pieces I want to survive. So I charge you, my best friend, to burn all this stuff. Burn it. Burn all of it. Get rid of it. Including letters. Letters sent by me that others may possess, they have to destroy it. Sketches that I may have given you as a gift, if it's not on the list of things I want to survive that I want my, to define my legacy, it has to go. And with that, Max kind of has to start collecting, going around and searching for you know letters that mm-hmm. he exchanged with so-and-so and so-and-so and all this, and he knows there's a significant volume with Felice. Well, Felice um, meets someone else because her relationship with Kafka doesn't work out. She's in uh, the US in the... some 30 years after Kafka's death in 1955. They finally connect and she hands over this volume of letters. Uh, these are all in German. They get translated and in, in the 70s, this the, the book that we're working from, Letters to Felice, gets published. Uh, meantime... Kafka destroyed everything he ever had from Felice. The whole shoot and match, the whole thing, gone. So, uh, so that's curious. Mm-hmm. And then you look at like, when are they in a relationship? And it's when he's writing the metamorphosis. And when their relationship comes to an end, he writes the trial. And so she is in his life at this very rich and potent time uh, for him while he's a writer. and um, yeah, and for whatever reason, he decides that her letters cannot survive and and she's not the only person he does this with. He uh, there's a, a second volume of letters called Letters to Milena, and that's the next woman that he does this with. He, he he's a serial letter writer yeah. and um, so so our piece, I guess, Coming back around to why am I at Grenfell? We are creating a piece of physical theater uh, called "Her Closely," and that's derived from one of the lines in the letters that he looked at her closely. Um, and we're, it's myself and uh, Alex Fallis is the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marie Jones is another part of the ensemble. Uh, she she's my wife. Uh, and so she, we've been working away at this for since on and off since 2010, uh, in the studio when we were first making this, she was kind of doc there to document, uh, sort of a collaborator, sort of a archivist stage manager type trying to capture what we were improvising with and creating with. And then as... We went, as the years went by, we really needed, we had like all these different improvisations or sketches of scenes for the play. And she began to take all that and turn it into a script proper. So we've come into this process, having uh, her having worked on the script for the last year and some. Uh, I was actually in the Arts and Culture Center's playwriting unit. So Megan Coles had her eyes on this too, as a dramaturg. Fantastic. Helping to shape what yeah. the script would become. And now we're into rehearsal here, and we've added two new artists to the mix. Uh, Izzy LaCombe is joining us as a stage manager, and also, uh, where it's a new work and things are shifting around, she's she's the archivist in the room, like yep. saying, "Okay, this this whole piece of the play is over here now," <laughs> that kind of stuff. And uh, and Emma Anderson is oh, is playing Felice, Excellent. and other. Other parts of Kafka's imagination. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So that's the whole team.
0: Oh, that's excellent. That's really great. And um, uh, so now I'm just a bit fascinated, and we will move on in a second. But so the letters are
1: all one-sided. The yeah, I mean the challenge is that the letters are like it's like *War and Peace*. The letters themselves, it's an 800-page book, and wow. and we're talking about you know hopefully a play that's less than 90 minutes. So we had to break it down into like section, like almost take a look at their relationship in units and say like this is the period for the first six months where they're getting to know each other and falling in love then this is the engagement letter then this is them trying to get together to organize a marriage and then this is that marriage not coming together and then this is them breaking it off and this is them getting engaged again and this oh like it's fabulous yeah
0: and when you say you're devising a piece of physical theater Mm -hmm.
1: what does that sort of mean um so uh, obviously, with so much text, you could very easily have a piece of theater where two actors get, in up, get up in period type costumes mm-hmm. and just read letters back and forth to each other. And no one, none. We just weren't interested in making yeah. that. Also, Kafka's imagination has all these very peculiar offshoots. He has in his diaries. He talks about. Well, he just notes his dreams. So some of, his, some of the images that he uh, captures specifically in the diaries are, um, there's one of a tooth nightmare uh, that is quite visceral uh, about the gnashing of teeth and how the teeth were organized, and, um, and he's having this nightmare, and he gets very excited because when he re- receives his next letter from Felice, she has had a toothache the night before. And so he views his dreams as this l- some kind of telepathic link to her physical reality. Yeah. So, j- just some of the images that he conjures up led us to believe that we could, um, and, and like so you look at the metamorphosis and mm. Gregor Samsa turning into a bug. Yeah or some of the other stuff, it led us to think that, okay, there's got to be a way to make this more than just the text, that we make this physical, we build images, try and make some of the images that he gives us in the, in the letters and in the diaries. So we found that Kafka had some uh, interesting habits. Uh, he was into, you know, we, like today yoga is very popular and like running is very popular and all that. Well, in Prague in 1912, there was a fitness craze then, uh, and it was derived from the Danish military. It was a book called My System by J.P. Mueller. So we have learned all of the exercises of the Mueller system. Wow. It's our physical warm-up every day. Yeah. And it, 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 looks, it looks like calisthenics with peculiar and vigorous rubbing of the body. Um, so it, it, you know, uh, it looks like we can't, we, we, we really, uh, we can't keep a straight face while we're doing it in, in rehearsals. It breaks us down into giggles, but it's a good time. And so we've, we've learned that to give, uh, give us a physical vocabulary. And so when we're trying to come with a transition out of one thing to another, one letter to another, one scene, one moment, you know, we might draw from that stuff. Um, the, uh, the other thing that we've done, uh, t- tied to the images of the diaries is we're working with Michael Ridgler, uh, Cornerbrook yep. uh, artist, yep. um, to create, um, a series of puppets and projection type lands- landscapes. Yeah. um, because we're changing setting frequently, but mm-hmm. also because Kafka has uh, like, he'll be in the middle of a very hectic um, business world. He was a lawyer working in a workers' insurance bureau while he was a writer by, by night. By day, he's trained as a lawyer. So he's dealing with factory workers and factory owners and people with horrific injuries and all this kind of stuff. So we wanted to populate that world, but there's just two actors. So we've, we've started to work in puppets, and the puppets are derived from doodles that Kafka left in the margins of some of his works. So This really sounds fantastic.
0: It's fun and, uh, yeah and, and fantastic in that sort of sense. Yeah. Uh yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a lot of fun. And it sounds like you're having a lot of fun. Oh, I'm having a blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking earlier about the fact that, you know, this must be a bit of a relief or a release for you, I guess, from your, you know, other obligations and responsibilities and things, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
1: It must be important for you to do this from time to time. I think um so, to future theater administrators who may hear this, you have to remember why. Like if you if you get into the administrative side of the business, and some people are just born to do that, uh, I'm I do it uh, and I enjoy it and I I like it a lot. Uh, the administrative side, the marketing side, the financial side, but you have to remember why you got into theater at all and. Um, And for me, it's it's. I love being in the rehearsal hall. I love figuring stuff out. I also I really love performance, but uh, I I somewhat I value rehearsal hall a little bit more than performance. Mm, Yeah. And so whatever it is for, for you, for for someone listening to this, you know, if it's if it's being in the carp shop or it's you know, um, if it's being in the lighting booth or like there's something about the the theater process, there's one angle of it that really excites you. Always go back to that. Always carve out time to go back to that. Because um, the business side of of being in professional theater requires so much of you that it's easy to burn out. It's easy to um, say, oh, you know, to get disillusioned. And, yeah, going back to the creative thing that, that got you into this in the first mm. place is, for me, it's, it's how I it's how I keep my marbles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm losing my marbles. And um, um, I think I said
0: something to you earlier. I've been uh, six years now or seven years in administration. So I've moved out of the faculty. I don't even teach anymore, which is why we all kind of get into this game. And it's getting increasingly harder for me to, to do the artistic side, which is. And I said to myself when I took, took the first time I took it on Min Post, I said, well, I, I I'll give it up if I ever had to. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. give that up if I ever had to sacrifice my kind of artistic side, uh, which I now. And I haven't really done a show, did a remount about a year ago. Uh, so I haven't done a proper rehearsal you know, process in, God, man, 18 months or something. And it's just, I, I can feel it. I can feel my marble starting to slip. And uh, uh, so I've got to get. Back in that game, because I think you're absolutely, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, no matter what you're doing, you know.
1: Yeah, and, and that could like, gosh, it, it doesn't have to be theater. It could be any. No. Take that yeah. from any, you know, any discipline. But yeah. there's yeah. Uh, ultimately like, if you're going to stay in, stay at anything long enough, eventually, um, someone will say, you know, you would make a good leader in this area for us, and that is the path towards administration and responsibilities and committees and reports and, Mm. you know, and, and that's fine. Like it, I'm glad to, I'm, I'm honored to uh, have the job I have with artistic fraud and to, um, and I feel a a tremendous responsibility with it too, because we're an employer in St. John's for a lot of artists and we're part of the, the national, uh, community, Mm. um, I'm very fortunate to be part of that national community, and there's a lot of work to building the, the relationships across the country that enable that to happen, and um, and reciprocating them. Now that we we actually actively bring uh, productions to mm-hmm. St. John's yep. because people have uh, theaters across the country have been touring artistic fraud and presenting artistic fraud. So we thought, well, it's about time that you know we've seen some exciting stuff on the mainland that wasn't coming here let's get some of it here in, in a way that we can manage. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's, so. a, that, that's absolutely terrific. And um, um, it must add a whole new wrinkle to the company. I mean, suddenly, like, like you say, uh, you're presenters now in a way. You're, you're bringing yeah. stuff in, and, uh, adding to the vitality of the scene, obviously. But it must be a whole other adventure for the company. It,
1: it, it is. Um, uh, it's, ex- it's so exciting because... Um, You know, physically, we're we're on this island, right? And that means, in our day-to-day lives, that means certain things. That pretty much anything, any item that is on this island that didn't spring up from the earth here or get pulled out of the sea, Mm. somebody had to ship it here, right? And so that means, in terms of touring theater productions, it's that jump of getting across the gulf is uh, is an administrative and financial hurdle that prevents a lot of things from from coming here yep. um but so through our relationships we're able to identify some shows that would fit well uh at our home theater the Res- resource center for the arts and then it's kind of lining up like what's artistic fraud's main calendar oh we have a gap here where we could potentially present something and then we look at the LSPU hall or some other space and go, oh, look, the same gap is available. And now we go over here and we look at, like, here's five shows we're interested. Do any of them line up? Bitten in that gap. Yeah, 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 and and then can we bring resources to bear on this? But, um, yeah, yeah, the the type of work that... Uh, and, and this... I want to make, make clear to your listeners that this notion, it, it came from... Uh, first like Robert chafe the artistic director of artistic fraud looking at you know what what is happening in the rest of the country in terms of uh, visible minorities and persons of color on stage and having being able to tell their narratives mm-hmm. on Can- Canada's main stages and you know obviously demographically Newfoundland is structured a little bit differently but um, we do have, Immigrant communities mm. here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and then you look at our professional arts community, and it still skews um, uh, heavily, uh, heavily uh, white, you know, urban, middle class, mm. and so we, we just wanted to start to share some of that th- that uh, these newer voices that are in Canadian theater with audiences in Newfoundland and Labrador. So our first foray into that last year was uh, Vancouver Asian Canadian Theatre's production of Empire of the Sun by Tetsuro Shigematsu. And uh, he is a former CBC host uh, for Radio 2 out in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And uh, the piece was um, it was largely about his relationship with his father, who had been a BBC host And it was through his career in radio that they landed in Canada. Um, And uh, so it was that kind of uh, first-generation Canadian immigrant experience being told through a a solo performer. But visually, absolutely stunning show. Um, They used a lot of... um, uh, They had a projection behind the actor a projection screen behind the actor and a lot of little cameras and then miniature set pieces so he was wow. manipulating like it you would you would be watching him perform and then the the design of the production you know this monitor behind him would or the screen behind him would gradually fade in on a miniature i'm talking like a bathtub half the size of your phone like a little porcelain bathtub and there's bubbles coming up in the bathtub and the, he's manipulating a camera that pans across this thing while he's talking about um, w- some of the special moments of his childhood is he and his siblings having a bath together with, and, and their father is is bathing them. Yeah, yeah. And as so you see a, a photo of this, of like a, a historic photo of them like as kids, you know, like squirting each other in the tub and then you see this beautiful little thing and then he... He segues into another part of his his story, and it, so it's just a type of storytelling that we in our community we're not doing that yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vancouver's theater community is all about the high tech and all about the gear, so we wanted to share that part of it. Um, but yeah, and then he's he's speaking from uh, from the Japanese Canadian perspective as well, and so we have some exciting new uh, new pieces to talk about soon. I won't, I can't, uh, no spoilers. I can't spoil anything yeah, just yet, yeah. but. Um, yeah, it was, it was really fun to bring that piece to St. John's. Uh, I can I, What I can say about what's coming up next is that we worked pretty hard to connect other theaters in Atlantic Canada, who all have the same issue, by the way. You know, like there's a national conversation going on about inclusivity and who gets mm-hmm. to be on our stages. And Atlantic Canada, because of our demographics or what, whatever reason, we're just a little bit behind on that game. But so if we can act together as a region, Artistic Fraud might be the, the first, the anchor dates of a tour. But if we commit to something a year and some out, then we can talk to a few other theaters in the, in yeah. the area. And a, an exciting new piece of theater can come to several spots. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and around the island as well? That's, you
0: know. the, that's the intention. Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. 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 Excellent. Yeah. speaking of which or well sort, sort, sort of uh,
1: speaking of which uh, between breaths is touring yes between breaths artistic frauds newest show is going to tour um, it, it is going to be going through the arts and culture centers Great. in uh, April of 2019 uh, in the lead-up to the Easter holiday so so next April, April next conference. April yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, <laughs> and I can I can also tell you about this um, uh, bet- so Between Breaths is, it tells the life story of Dr. John Lean. If you don't know his, uh, kind of the, the Coles notes here is that he was an animal behaviorist who came to Newfoundland in the late 1970s. And um, while studying uh, storm petrels and other uh, seabirds uh, encountered a pod of whales that were trapped in the ice. And so he spent um, one winter camping out on the ice listening to this pod of whales communicate back and forth about the urgency that they need to, to find a way out of this trap uh, some years go by and he um, he's out doing more research in the field and he, uh, the community the word gets out in the community that he was into whales and he gets brought uh, to, in, to a situation, I'm going to say it was in Jackson's arm, I could be wrong about that Certainly, some of the story of his career is in Jackson's arm, but so he he gets brought out into a situation where there's a whale tangled up in a gill net. and um, prior to to John being there, what had happened in the past is that a, a fisherman would use a shotgun or whatever and and put the animal out of its misery and let the let the animal sink in the net with it. Well, what John was trying to do was save the whale, get it out of the net, mm-hmm. and save the net if he could. Uh, but to do this, he had to gain the confidence of the animal. And so he would actually like plunge his head over the side of the boat and into the water and try and make eye contact with a 30-foot whale. R- wild, right? Extraordinary, yeah. So the play... Uh, the play um, tries to tell the, th- that Im- the immense story of this man's life. He, he would go on to rescue about 500 whales around the island, then teach his technique all around the world where there was coastal fisheries. Uh, we, Artistic Fraud commissioned The Once to uh, come up with an original score for mm-hmm, this piece. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the cast includes uh, some of Newfoundland's uh, great actors. Yep. Uh, yep. Steve O'Connell as John Leon, Bernie Stapleton as Judy Leon, And Grenfell's own Daryl Hopkins as Wayne, uh, John's uh, uh, sometimes willing and <laughs> uh, uh, I guess a co-pilot into some of these adventures. And then uh, we we have um, the score that the Once created is performed live by a band we built for the show. Featuring Steve Maloney, Brianna Goss, and again uh, another Grenfell alumni, Kevin Woolridge.
0: Oh, Kevin's in the, okay. So Kevin was not in the show when I saw the workshop production in Stevenville. He was. Year. Was Kevin? In the, God, yeah. I don't, why don't I remember?
1: I do remember talking to him. I did speak to everybody else. Oh well,
0: that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. And ah, uh, yeah. And so uh, what I was going to tell you is that the next iteration of the show is a partnership between Artistic Fraud and the Newfoundland Symphony Orchestra. Oh, wow. So Between Breaths Orchestral, which will be kind of an exploration of the the music of the show with a 25-player symphonia. And uh, what we're also hoping is that there's a whole marine soundscape Sound design that Brian Kenny, our sound designer, created, and it, it includes whale songs and the sound of water lapping against the hull of a boat, and uh, the the cries from the storm petrels and gulls and everything else you might hear out by the water. We're hoping that a symphony can make some of that some of those sounds too. Excellent. So, so that's next February uh, in Saint John's that that happens, and then. Uh, the stage production that we did in, in uh, this summer, 2018, that stage production, that tours the Arts and Culture Centre network, and then uh, we go to Ottawa, to the National Arts Centre with the stage production. And between now and then, I'm working the phones and wow. trying to build other tour dates for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really looking
0: forward to it. I, I, you know, I saw the the workshop production. I think we all had the same response, which is, it was so... <laughs> Beautifully evocative, just as a sort of a, as a sort of spoken, you know, sort of story on stage. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was it was fantastic, uh, and I think many of us were thinking, "Wow, you know, can't wait to see this in in a full production and uh, you know all the bells and whistles and we that." Well, actually, no, it works so beautifully as this very you know stri- storytelling sort of event where where Steve just sort
1: of told the story. It was, it was just it was beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I can't wait to see it. I really really can. not So it's it, it stayed true to that simplicity, but. It, it has benefited tremendously from uh, Sean Kerwin, who designed the oh, set wow. and costumes. Jeez. You guys don't, don't shag around. No, uh, Leanne Vardy uh, from Cornerbrook yeah. was our lighting designer on the piece. And um, so it 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 really has uh, the visuals of of the production have come to meet where that storytelling yeah. and where that music well, it was yeah, a couple yeah, years yeah, back. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, truly, I can't wait to see it. Um, listen, and I, I don't want to, I know you're here doing other things at the moment, and your head is not, you know, you're sort of clear of that, stuff. So I don't want to drag you back into your management life, but I do want to ask a couple questions about this, in part because things have been on my mind for, for a couple of years. Sure. When I, um, I don't know, when I uh, applied for this position as you know of dean, I really was hoping that uh, we could move the bar a little bit around arts management. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm well, I mean, my story's not nearly like yours, but I uh, was drawn back to Newfoundland. I was living in, in Calgary. I just finished a master's degree, and you know my son was a couple years old, and we were all happily living in Calgary. And out of the blue, uh, Daniel Irvine phoned me.
1: That's how it happens. It, it's, yeah, extraordinary, right? That, well, because c- people here, they know who's on the mainland doing cool stuff, and they're like, oh, oh, hey, maybe we can get so-and-so to come back. And I was not expecting it. I was really was not thinking that
0: you know, hoping to have the chance to come back to, to Newfoundland. I'm not thinking I'll be going back to a job, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I was managing uh, First Light Productions uh, as, their, as their oh wow as their general manager. And so Daniel and I, uh, you know,
1: over over, ho- the, over on Bell Island.
0: Yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. Really, was an amazing experience. But I didn't, really didn't know anything about being a general manager, and I was pretty. I think really up front with Daniel about this but we worked it out and it was great and uh, uh, did that for a while but I really had to teach myself those skills I mean I mean, uh, you know I really did sit on the Metro bus in St. John's with you know simply counting you know books in my you know and reading how to be an accountant on the way to work you know I mean, <laughs> this is how I I got into you know GMing yep. and um, I suppose out of that I, I, I have for a lot of years sort of thought um, we as a training institution uh, we train actors we train uh, you know Technical theater people, we should be thinking about that arts management stream. I really did come to believe, and I think I said this to Danielle even before I started that, you know, you're not going to, I don't think a company can survive with a really solid infrastructure, and that includes the management infrastructure. You have to have people who are committed and, you know, all the rest of it. So, um, and in terms of, you know, all the small companies that are currently working on the island, I want all of them to thrive and succeed and all the rest of it. You know, Mm there's lots of room, right? But I wonder if we can't be playing a more of a role in, in, you know, trying to foster that that sort of layer of, of theater
1: person, right? Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What's your? Resp- I mean, so uh, I have maybe two things to offer on that. The first, like I, I before I got into theater uh, professionally, I did my undergrad in St. John's. I did a, I did, I did it backwards, Todd. I did a business degree um, at. Munn in St. John's, finished that in 2001, and promptly like went to work in theater as an actor, and, and then work, uh, didn't apply my, my business education in the theater at all um, until, uh, well, that's not entirely true. I was the general manager of the Shakespeare by the Sea Festival in St. John's for a summer. But I largely avoided arts management because I, I perceived that it was quite difficult. It is. <laughs> it is. It, 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 it is. It yeah. is. So, uh, but n- I, I, I jumped, jumped in with both feet in uh, 2012 and it's been very rewarding. Um, I think philosophically, like when you, when you do a business training program, you're often, um, you're often approaching things with concrete information. You're, you're working with case studies and you're, uh, you're talking about the principles of accounting and, and your marketing mix and your types of incorporations and it's all very structured. And the business side of, of arts management um, in a small organization can feel very unstructured at times. Um, and so you have to approach the work with we can do this. Mm-hmm. Th- that has to be like step one is because if if you actually give into like you look at oh my god we're gonna invest all this energy all this money all this time into this thing this play and we hope that people come mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> we hope <laughs> that people come <laughs> and we hope that uh, holy shit we hope people come yeah. and we hope that they pay the ticket price that we have set there and and you know what. E- Artistic fraud in its twenty third year, it is still a challenge. Like we we did sell out between breaths, but the effort that we had we had put a considerable effort into marketing it, probably because we were up in the summer, Mm. at a time we were going, uh, we were running the same time as the George Street Festival closing just before the Newfoundland Labrador Folk Festival. Um, Wow. And so those are major... Sum- and then, like, all the other major summer events, you know, the Lantern Festival, Blueberry Brigas Festival, the regatta, all this stuff is happening. And, and it's nice out, you know. It's, we're in Cornbrook where it's nice along a lot of the year. But you have to understand, in St. John's, it was it, it's a long, hard winter. And when the sun comes out, people put away their email. Mm. And they're like, no, bye, it's 4 o'clock. You're not getting me. I'm on the deck. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we're saying, no, no, come into a darkened room yeah, yeah, tonight yeah, yeah. and see a story. And, um, and thankfully they did, but yeah. So philosophically arts management has to be approached from the perspective. And Daniel Irvine is perhaps the best, uh, I know of doing this. It, it, you have to approach this from like, we can do it. And it's just a matter of, you know, we have to imagine that it's a success. We have to build a plan that gets us to that success And we probably have to be ready for, like, this is the, you know, version A, the top-tier version of our plan. Version B is is, uh, maybe a little more realistic. Version C is if things don't go the way we want it, this is still, like, okay for us. And, you know, like, it's it's a little bit about managing, planning and managing expectations. Um, In terms of how the university could be involved... Um, I think, you know, you have a business faculty and you have some, uh, some keen people in that business faculty that would be willing partners, one would hope.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: about two years ago, artistic fraud uh, brought in in partnership with business and arts Newfoundland and Labrador, we brought Camilla Holland to St. John's. Mm -hmm. For a three-day arts management intensive yep. because we sensed a lot of the people in the arts management jobs in St. John's and the surrounding areas. There was the province supported this and we had people from TNL and other organizations come and take this in. Um, Stephenville Festival came as well. Uh, we, we perceived that there might've been a bit of a skills gap between mm-hmm. like, you know, where we where our community is and where we could be nationally yeah. right mm-hmm. so we brought camilla down she's managing the royal manitoba theater center you know she has 65 staff it's a 12 million dollar theater annually and you know they deal with the really big issues all the time yeah. so it was great to be around her for 3 days and to soak it up yeah yeah, yeah. And the the tragedy there it was you know just like a really good play if you missed it you missed it, you missed it <laughs> yeah. and I
0: missed it I really wanted to go but couldn't I, I don't remember why Now, but something here prevented me from going out. I really wanted to go on
1: David sure yeah and 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 you know. and you've, like there are there are no doubt students that have come through the program here who understood that they had to create their own work or or facilitate the works of others in order to. Um, not just rely on being cast as an actor or, or mm-hmm. waiting for mm-hmm. the phone to ring and get hired. Like you have to instigate stuff. You have to. It's there's the work to get the work. Yep, absolutely, right? absolutely, absolutely. And, absolutely. and so, uh, but part of that work to get the work is understanding how the uh, the economy of that work. Where where are the opportunities? Right, like where where's the possibility for growth? Where's the new grant? Where the what's the direction that the funders are going in, uh, w- what our audience is wanting to see, what can you create that kind of, you know, takes advantage of both of those things and creates an opportunity or window for success.
0: Yeah, I, I don't mean to sound blithe about this, or um, I, I, you know, I'm speaking to you from a fair position of privilege, right? So, uh, you know, and I don't want to sound uh, blithe about it. What's interesting to me when I speak. Uh, I still have great relationships with people, particularly in Saint John's, and I, and I, and I, I you know, uh, see and talk to them all the time. And one of the things that struck me a couple of years ago, and I think this is partly true, if not completely true, but what amazes me about uh, a group of people that I know is that they they treat being a working artist as being a working artist. They go to, they go to work every day, right? And they get up and they figure out how to manage their careers and they figure out all these things out and they do these things and and. Uh, many of them, just because we've been here for so long, are graduates of the program. Mm-hmm. We didn't teach them that. That's not part of our training, you know, they figured that out. Yeah, and the ones that seem to be able to kind of come to terms I, with that. And
1: I'm a manager, by the way, because I couldn't handle that pressure. like i I tried that. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard, right? I, I, and I couldn't cut it and uh, and i I felt I had something to offer. I saw, I had experiences as an artist where I was like, are you friggin' kidding me? It's like, I could do a better job. Like it was, it was more like I, I saw things on the administrative or marketing side or, or logistics side not going as well as I thought they could. And I was like, well, you know, and not to disparage anyone who ever hired me as an actor. No. I, I had a great time, <laughs> but, but I was like, I, I know I could make this better. And you were trained. I
0: mean, you you had the benefit of of that training to sort of be able to see those things, right? I mean, it's 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 it's, yeah. it's not it's not in everybody's wheelhouse. Sure. So you 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 know, and I, I guess the of that story is that, uh, and I don't know because I've never asked, but I, my suspicion is people that I know, tremendously gifted and talented people, uh, stop doing that because they too can't quite come to grips with you know with with having to do those sorts of things. Anyway, my I guess the point of my story is. I just wonder if we can't be doing more uh, to help people develop that skill set, either as a you know sort of single, you know, jobbing performer, or if folks who want do want to start their own companies. And I'm not you know suggesting every company will will be the next artistic fraud, Mm -hmm. but why
1: not give folks a leg up if they want to try? And yeah, uh, so here's where the professional theaters have a responsibility, I think, and we've. Artistic fraud has has in the last couple of years stepped into this role, and I hope we step into it more, and is specifically in that area, and it and it's that role of mentorship, because there is a gap between what you're going to come out of school with mm-hmm. and what the industry expects you to be able to do, you know, at Monday nine o'clock, and, um, and part of, th- so we can be there to bridge that gap. To provide mentorships, to provide job shadowing, to um, uh, hopefully foster uh, an the next young arts leader. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so we, we had uh, Crystal LaFolly. Was uh, she's National Theatre School trained? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she works as a stage manager, but she's she can be a PM. She very capable. Um, and so she was our associate producer for. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit more than a year. She had a residency, Canada council funded residency with us and then attended the pact conference twice. And so was able to, again, to begin building relationships with yep. theaters across the country. And that's what it, it takes. Yep. You've yep. got to build, we have a small audience here. If, if your work is going to reach beyond this audience, you have to know people uh, on the other side of the Gulf who can pick up the phone and, yep. and you can talk to them. Uh, so Crystal is um, uh, <laughs> Crystal uh, has just moved on to uh, an excellent position as operations manager for Resource Center for the Arts.
0: Oh, fantastic!
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that that she's moving into that organization. She's going to bring all of her skills and energy yeah. to the hall and yeah. and, right. and and now, are um, you know, I, I got to find the next person that is going to be an associate producer or a mentor. You know that can take advantage of all the activity artistic fraud has coming up in the next year. It's a it's going to be an exciting time for someone to uh, uh, who wants to grow and grow into that challenge. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so so I, I think that's what the companies can do, and maybe what the university can do is, um, if I can, I, I, I think an MBA is too intimidating. And too big of a time commitment for a lot of artists to take on. Um, that um, the bite-sized seminar, the three-day workshop, the you know, there's someone who's who's like quite clearly a master at this. Mm-hmm. That was very successful for us. We had 25 people come and take the workshop with Camilla, yeah. and uh, you know that kind of thing. It 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 took a couple weeks to organize, but. In execution, it wasn't that hard. And I, I think the university could offer space, could leverage some of the talent at the, you know, either through national networks or, you know, its own faculty, yep. and could deliver something really groundbreaking.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's tremendous. Maybe something we can talk about. A bit. I didn't, I didn't mean to. I didn't
1: mean to pitch it in the midst of no, the podcast. No, no no, but that's
0: no, 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 no. This is this is really fantastic, and I, I, no, no, actually I, pre- I appreciate it, and really, truly, something I wouldn't want to talk you more about because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to. I don't want you know, uh, hold either of us anything while the recorder is on. But uh, <laughs> but I really
1: would like to talk to you more about this. And this is something that the really business school is happy to see the back end of me when I left there. <laughs> they're like foreign. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Our business faculty is really good. They're, uh,
0: they are rolling out a master's program, not an MBA, mm. uh, they're calling it a Master of Management. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which they intend to be modularized. And uh, so, not every year, but occasionally it will be arts uh, focused. Right. And it may attract people, uh, you know. Uh, for I think a year long program. So, maybe. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, and there, there are other things that we should talk about. And yeah. also, uh, now that my now you're saying all these things, it might also be interesting to talk about uh, some kind of co ops or placements, or there might be ways that we can work more closely. The university can work with the companies to sort of also try and bridge these things. Guaranteed? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, all right. So,
1: expect a follow up phone call from me. Hey, and uh, uh, to anyone in St. John's listening to this, get out to Cornerbrook. Get out to cornerbrook they have Thai food they have great hiking the weather's excellent um, Boy, yeah. we've got it all yeah. you really do yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, when do you head
1: back how long much longer are you here I'm here we're here till the Labor Day weekend oh fantastic okay yeah, so what we're course. what we're doing this week with her closely is we're uh, uh, doing kind of a rough block of the entire play and then by the end of the week I think it's it's our goal because we have showcasing a showcase event in october with the festival of the new dance so we're kind of this week it's rough blocking the whole thing then w- working with that material and deciding okay what what portion i don't think we're going to do the whole play in october but we'll do a, a a healthy chunk of it and it's figuring out what and that's what we'll spend all of week two refining and building and making stronger
0: awesome 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 well listen uh, enjoy the rest of your time here enjoy the Thai food and the hiking and uh, (laughs) there's also Vietnamese food which I highly recommend yes no it's great it's lovely uh, yeah it's a beautiful spot to be so uh, great to see you likewise yeah 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 and thanks so much for doing this my pleasure thanks Pat okay
1: the School of Fine Arts podcast was recorded at Grenfell Campus Cornerbrook Newfoundland the West Coast it's the best coast